Welcome back to The Secret Runner, the podcast in which I'll be talking to an international Ironman competitor, my secret runner, to get training tips and coaching advice for everyday runners like myself to reach their next personal best. This is the final episode in season one. It's taken longer than planned to get it recorded and released, but it is ready now. We've both completed our races. For me, the Bristol 10K, and for The Secret Runner, bear with me, this is a long title, the 2021 World Triathlon Powerman Long Distance Duathlon Championships in Zofingen. In this episode, we'll find out how we both did, how we felt about our races, and what our plans are for later this year and for 2022. So for the last time this season, let's get to it. Hello, Secret Runner. Hello, Pete. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm not bad. I think we're both suffering from colds, aren't we? So uh... Yeah. Feeling a little under the weather, although better than I was earlier in the week. So it's taken a little longer to get round to recording this because of how awful one or both of us have been sounding. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, we've had numerous issues actually since both of our races. We intended the post race episode to come out pretty quick after our respective races. Um, but I have, I've added all sorts of internet issues and some uh, family visiting from abroad as well, which has been nice. But yeah, we finally got around to it at long last. But I must also say up front, I'm on quite a squeaky, loud, noisy, woven chair. So I don't know if that comes. So apologies for that in advance. I think that's just going to add add to the experience. Good. So, yeah, so this is the post-race episode. Let's start with your race, Pete. Yeah, okay. Tell me about how your preparation in the last couple of days leading up to the race went. So, obviously, we spoke lots about it in our pre-race recording, and there was nowhere near as much stuff that you do. You know, I I don't have to do anywhere near as much as you. Um, But I did uh, put more thought into it, I guess. Like, I got my clothes out all the night before and like sewed the badge on so I didn't have to deal with the safety pins um and pack my bag and made sure I had everything ready I'm terrible for leaving that to the morning so and that was nice and therapeutic the night before we obviously had a plan of what I was going to do I'd worked out like logistics with like getting down there and knowing the city and stuff so you know the day before all that stuff was all nice and I'd done it a few times before so that was easy therapeutic calming to get it done Made sure I ate well, slept well, you know, didn't drink any booze for a while and tried to stay off like junk food and stuff, just ate well and slept well. So it was all fine. I was very calm and looking forward to it in the the run up to it. Is there anything that you would change in hindsight with that specific stage? About my preparation? No, not at all. I I was very happy with prep. And then remind us, was it like, was it an early start or was it like mid-morning? No, because of the COVID situation, uh, it was very staggered. So they were letting people go in half an hour blocks. So I was like the third or fourth block. So they normally start at like 8.30 or 9 or something, but I didn't get running till 10.30. Okay. Um, So it was relatively late. But once I got down, I like checked my bags in and stuff. And to be honest, it was actually a bit late for me. I'd rather have been down there earlier. I was going to say, because like, out of all the training that you did, did you do any runs at that time of day? 
maybe not since I've been doing it with you, but I have run like really early, like six or seven a.m. in the past, and I found that's that's actually awful because I'm not eating enough. That's fine for a short run, but no, I've run late morning. That's okay. That's not a bad one. Cool. And then so you warmed up to plan. Yep, lovely warm up. Sort of went along bits of the race and watched the earlier groups as they went and all that kind of stuff. Ran around the village, spoke to a few people. It was all good. Nice. And then it came to the start time and boom, off you go. What happened next? Uh, Yeah, so this is where it went wrong. I forgot that the race has paces, which should be really useful. And I've, I've spoken to you a little bit about this, but so they've got paces for like 50 minutes, 55 and then, and then we were mixed in with the half marathon runners as well. So it's like a fork in the course with an extra like 10k. And then so you've got half marathon ones for like an hour and a half and all that stuff. And I saw the 50 minute pace and I thought, oh, that's great. My goal was to just break 50 or hit 50. He'll be running bang on my target pace, 50. So I just have to, because he would run bang on my target. And if I'd run next to him the entire race, then he would have been the perfect way for me to to you know pace myself perfectly because there was a you know seasoned professional doing it uh but what i but they're actually two 50 minute paces and i put myself in between them so i thought i've got to stay in front of the one behind me and catch up with the one in front of me by the end and then i'll shave a little bit off 50 which i thought was reasonable and i thought i'd do that over 10 kilometers and you know ease ease my way in very gently but i but I almost immediately caught up with him after two kilometres. And in my head, that wasn't that much distance, but I've obviously done the maths afterwards and realised that I was running far too fast too early. And I did end up struggling in the middle of the race a little bit and had to slow down a little bit. In fact, I overtook the pacer and obviously all the maths you do, I caught up with him, so I was running ahead of time. Then I put the same distance between me and him backwards. So I kept going, just kept pushing, even catching up with him and and sticking with him for the rest of the race. I would have, I think like I would have knocked off more time than I had done by the end of it if I'd caught up with him and stayed with him. But I stupidly put him behind me and I've got no idea how much quicker I was going by that point. But anyway, I, I ran out of steam. Um, he caught up and then he, he, he crossed the line before me. And as I approached the finish line, I, I just remember having nothing left to give or very little left to give. I sped up. I was sort of running a bit quicker, but I've done 10Ks and half marathons things before and been able to really turn up like the last kilometer and near enough be sprinting the last like 100 meters, 50, like really nailing. And it's, and it's a lovely feeling, which I didn't. I didn't have anything left like that to give this time. And it's all because that pace was there and I, and I and I totally stuffed up and didn't stick to the plan at all. So I'm happy with my time. I was under 50 minutes. But uh, yeah, preparation was great. Race morning was great. Happy with the course and everything. And then just immediately didn't do what we trained and, and made it very hard for myself. So yeah, I think that's the important thing to note is that you got a new PB and you also broke the 50 minute barrier for the first time comfortably as well wasn't it yeah it was 49.30 i think 49.29 maybe i can't remember yeah it was yeah it was 49.20 something so like oh that's obviously awesome and bit like massive well done to you and like shows that you're completely on track 
Um, but we we had a chat afterwards, didn't we? And we like looked at your pacing all a bit more in detail. Yeah. And we talked about your so your original race plan of holding a certain pace for five kilometers and then inching it up for the next two or three kilometers and then letting it all go on the final bit. And we we analysed it, and you're quite right. You you highlighted and I identified exactly where. I don't want to use the word went wrong. Well, it was wrong according to the plan. The plan was not to do that, and then I did that. That's that's wrong according to yeah, to our so. plan. Yeah. And the dumb thing is, I find the watch a bit awkward because I have to look at it every I don't know three hundred meters, five hundred meters. I, I check on it to make sure my pace is okay. And if I'd got closer to that fifty minute guy and just run by his side, because there's a bubble of people around them all that all want that time, mm. and they stick with him, and it's their you know, job, volunteers, I guess, but he would have been perfect. I would have run with him for five kilometres and then, as you said, if I can, pick it up. So seeing him wasn't a bad thing. Trying to run with him was a bad thing. Starting behind them and chasing them down was a... It was wrong because it wasn't a plan. And we made plan months of planning and preparation. So, yeah, so, yeah no, I'm, I am happy, but it was wrong. Like, after we sort of, like, chatted through it as well, like, although you felt like you had nothing left to give on that line, kind of what we went over looking at the splits afterwards, hopefully kind of pointed out to you that even in your current state of fitness or your current state of fitness on that day, you might have been able to take out maybe another 30 seconds or a minute if it had possibly been approached the right way. Yeah. And... um and I was, I was trying, I tried to make the point of that's not a negative thing. That's a positive thing that you've actually got that fitness to be able to do that. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. Um, and it's, it's weird to think that I could have run it quicker. I'm sure I could have run it quicker. I wasn't warmed up enough. It takes me a few kilometers to really get into it. And usually after two or three, mm. this sudden like second, like lease of life comes in and I want to start running quicker, knowing that about myself. I stupidly pushed in those early kilometers and it is funny though because in the it's not just like a fixed amount of energy or effort that you can give giving less at the beginning well I should have been able to give more at the end if I'd given less at the beginning but I don't understand why giving more at the beginning it doesn't balance it out in the other way around like why why would that extra minute that I could have shaved off potentially but I don't understand why 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 it has to be that way around yeah, I mean, if you can imagine, it's exponential. So, like, you might get a little bit tired, but it doesn't mean that you get one second slower for each one unit of tiredness. Yeah, yeah. I suppose I was having to recover in the second half from overburning at the beginning. Yeah. So instead of just returning to a normal pace, I was actually having to recover. Around sort of kilometre six, seven, eight, I was really tired, and I think I... I slowed down a bit there. And then I managed to sort of pick it up again a little bit for the final bit. Yeah. It's not necessarily like negative splitting. Isn't It's not 100% certain that that's the way you'll get the fastest time. But it is the way that you know you've emptied the tank and got the best speed that you can for that emptying of the tank. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's an efficient way of doing it. Well, I think it's proved, though, because you... At the same time as we were competing, the other person you were training was was doing their half marathon and she stuck to her plan perfectly. Yes. 
That's absolutely worth a mention. So you're right. Yeah, they nailed their race plan almost to the second in a way that I've never even seen before. I don't think I don't think I've ever executed a plan like to the second that well. And that was a half marathon similar thing. Stick to a certain pace and then crank it up at the end and then open it up at the yeah for the final straight, which was my plan. She did perfectly. And he showed me her splits in comparison. And yeah, it was impressive. Like time management and i and i i still believe it's because i'm a a stupid testosterone filled man who got too excited and carried away in the beginning yeah i don't want to yeah i don't want to definitely say it's that but i have spoken to other coaches and it's certainly a trend should we say that they notice with these sorts of things and that they say i've I've certainly had the comments that uh, just sounds like a typical uh man woman scenario to be honest but it looks like she shaved more off her target than i did comparatively well you could just sort of see in those closing kilometers how much time she was taking off of her original minutes per kilometer in comparison to at that time i towards the end of a race the opposite was happening for you so say if it was a race two people that's when there would have been an overtake. I suppose the difference is she stuck to her target pace and then got quicker and quicker, whereas I started off quicker and then got slower than my target pace. And being on the wrong side of it in a bad way, I was probably adding more seconds on in the end than I was shaving off at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, whereas she she never added on. She either stuck to it or took off. So, But I've learned... Oh, one thing I should point out, I enjoyed the prep, enjoyed the run, enjoyed everything afterwards, but the full 10 kilometres I did not enjoy. And uh, what did you, you described it as type two fun, fun that you, um, yes, you don't enjoy it until you finished it. And that's the first time I've done a, you know, an event and not enjoyed any aspect of it at all until I crossed the line. And then I don't regret it. I will absolutely do it again. I will do it again and I'll do it better and I'll do it quicker. And I'm more motivated than I was before this one. But it was definitely, it was unpleasant all the way around. That that was going to be my next question really was, how did you feel once you completed it? And which you've, you've answered there really. But what I think is interesting to know is the changing of feeling initially when I first spoke to you I think there was quite a lot of focus on on that or of yeah did not enjoy that at all yeah well when we when we first spoke the first thing I said to you was I'm happy but I didn't enjoy it and then I said it was all good blah 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 great time pace now we're talking about it we've talked about all the details and how I'm going to improve on it and me going oh and by the way I forgot to mention I didn't enjoy the run so yes absolutely as as it fades you forget the bits you don't enjoy and and even when I wasn't enjoying it, I still wanted to be doing it. No part of me was going to stop yeah. at all. I was completely and utterly in... It was hard work and I'd made it harder for myself. But all the way along, finishing it was simply just... It's like rewinding a tape. You can't speed it up. You just wait for it to finish. But you're not angry at it. You're just waiting. And I was running and I knew I'd finish and I was pretty confident I'd be under 50. I was just waiting for it to finish. And... It wasn't physically pleasant experience, but all the way around, I knew I'd do it. So my last question then, 
I've banged on throughout this season of this podcast a lot about races and there's always an opportunity to learn uh, whether it's a bad race, a good race, whatever. So the big question is, what did you learn from that race in particular that you'll take forward either into your training or to your next race? Stick to the, the race plan and don't deviate from it. And that kind of boils down to the underlying thing that's come up the entire way through, which is do what you do in training. And during my training sessions, I do what you've told me to. I stick to the paces you've told me to for the time lengths you've told me to, you know, and exactly as you've told me to. And uh, on race day, I did not do that. And I, <laughs> I went back to the old way of doing it which is just keep pushing harder. And if it gets too hard, just keep pushing harder and get through, which is inefficient. It's effective, but inefficient, whereas your way is more efficient and more effective. So I slipped back into the old Pete way of doing things. And yeah, the main lesson I've learned is stick to the plan, do what you've done in training, which is what you've said pretty much since episode one. Nice. Cool. Well, repetition gets through, doesn't it? And that is interesting that, that that it happened in a race because that's always when that sort of thing happens, when you revert back to sort of like what you know or what you did. If anything, just to f- finish on it, um, I'm, I'm happy with my time. Like you said, PB, so I was like 52 something or 51 something and now I'm 49, 29. And I break the 50. So they were like two great achievements for the day. And I probably did that because of your training I'm fitter than I was so running badly but because of your training I was fit enough to to smash my way through a badly executed plan that I made up at 10 30 in the morning because of your training you know I've still trained hard done what you've told me to and even if I forgot to do what I was supposed to on the day I was fit enough to to do well badly if that makes sense absolutely so yeah if I do what I'm told next time, as well as continuing to train as you train me, then yeah, I should do much better than that. I think that's probably a nice segue into my race in as much as mine was probably the perfect contrast of yours in as much as I executed my race perfectly up until the point that I did not finish the race. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the perfect time to cue the music and leave everyone in suspense for five seconds. Okay, Seeker Runner, so let's hear about your race, which you've now realised or you believe is the, the inverse of mine. You had probably, you didn't execute the perfect race, but you had a great result. Whereas mine, I executed the perfect race but I had a bad result and so the bombshell that I just dropped I didn't finish the race on my run bike run event I first run went brilliantly paced it perfectly I even had the sensibility to ease off the pace and let some people go slightly and the bike was going fine I was keeping a lovely pace I knew that I had great uh, my legs were on a good day everything just felt great the only thing that wasn't feeling good was the conditions the weather 
the weather yeah ultimately the weather and the temperature now everyone has the same conditions to compete in so really everyone's in the same playing field but it was a three lap bike course and as I started my third lap of the bike course I had no option but to stop because I was I was I think the three stages to hypothermia and I was firmly in the second stage of hypothermia and at this point you were in a in a comfortable second place weren't you at that point yeah I was um I when I stopped I was in a comfortable second place and I was three minutes behind person in first which I would have been happy enough to maintain that three minutes and then duke it out on the run it would have been a really exciting race uh, for me so it was a shame. It was a shame. I mean, there's certain things I've got to say is that the Swiss public came to my rescue. They were absolutely fantastic. People from their homes came out with blankets. I couldn't actually get off my bike at the time. People helped me off my bike. Someone brought round their car, cranked up the heater, turned the engine on, chucked me inside that with a load of blankets and um, and just left me to thaw out in there, basically. So you were properly like cold to the core, shivering, yeah. machine, like I didn't know what was going on. To be honest, I think I um I was quite disorientated. Um, it took a while for that to come back. There was all sorts of drama. Obviously, then someone informed my wife, and she was like ran over from the other side of town. By the time she got to me, I was a lot better. The uh, heater in the car had done the trick, but um. Yeah, I mean, there was a, I started to fall asleep on the bike. I started to feel really drowsy and nod off. But that wasn't an energy thing. I find it difficult to explain, really. It genuinely was just sort of like a falling asleep. Even then, when I was falling asleep, I still was pushing the power that I wanted to be pushing. Um, and I'm still going the speeds that I wanted to go. So it was a, yeah, it was a strange experience. So was it, was it hev- heavy rain and wind? Like low and low temperature. Not too much wind, um, but low temperature. But wind, wind chill on the bike. Yeah, absolutely. So there was lots of um, sort of like hills and descents, and the descents were bitterly, bitterly cold. And what speed do you hit when you're coming down a hill on your bike? Or what would have been the highest speeds? Those hills, it would have been between sort of like sixty-five and seventy-five kilometers an hour. So it's pretty. It is pretty chilling. And ultimately not wearing too much. Just had like a base layer on and then a tri-suit. And that's not really gonna keep you warm enough. I mean, I know that I think it was a high of 12 degrees that day. Usually in that weather, I'd be wearing a certain type of um, like thermal windstopper. And that unfortunately wasn't an option for me that day because of sponsorship issues and having to wear the correct uniform. I guess from that point of view, you could say that I didn't have the correct kit for the day. So could you get like waterproof base layers or or thicker base layers or something else to help? Was there any other kit that other people were wearing? Or No, there wasn't really, to be honest. Everyone was dressed fairly similar. Um, I suppose you could make comment on people's body types and the makeup just how the i mean you're incredibly thin yeah but surely no one competing at the same level as you has got any fat on their 
body at all. Well, you do have people that are smaller and stockier. Someone who's taller and leaner may have been disadvantaged on that day. I'd love to see some studies into that. But ultimately, we were all racing in the same conditions. I think it's interesting to note, though, that the the race itself did have a did not finish a DNF rate of 30%. And most of those were due to hypothermia. And it is the first time that I've had a DNF like that. It's, yeah, not something I want to repeat. So one, one thing you say is do what you do in training. You've been training for Kona and Hawaii. Yeah. Which, would, which wouldn't be that cold. And then this was a relatively last minute change. And you even mentioned in the pre-race one that you've been training in the sun all week and it's going to rain over the weekend and you've got your your wet weather stuff and changing the, the lube on your bike, but but you couldn't wear a coat. So could you have trained? I mean, you can't make it rain to train, but do you think that would have helped you? Again, like you said, it's your makeup. Do you think you're just not built for running in the rain? Yeah, you could absolutely go out and um, target when it, when that weather's happening. Go out and get in it. That would be a great way to get some specific for it. And to be honest, growing up in the UK and living in the UK for many years, I um, was used to those conditions and used to race better in those conditions and still believe that I do race well in those conditions. Uh, certainly a lot better than I used to handle the heat. What I would say is that with Kona being my focus over the last few years, that has shifted quite dramatically and I'm probably slightly more well suited to racing in the heat more so now than I was before. And maybe a sacrifice or as a... um, An unintended consequence. Yeah, uh, a compromise maybe that I'm maybe not so well built for that at the moment. But that said, I also wouldn't want to go and put on extra body fat to be able to deal with that situation at the moment because of being the lean shape that I am at the moment has certain benefits for me in racing. It just didn't benefit me that day. And also, just to point out some positive stuff, your your first running leg was a 10k as well. So we were both running a 10k. You um, obviously went on to cycle ridiculous distances but what was your 10k time for the morning oh i can't remember the exact time but it was 33 minutes something yeah and you said you were holding back on that as well yeah like i say i said at the beginning i executed perfectly right up until the moment that i stopped set set off decent speed got off to a nice comfortable lead in front of a lot of the field by the end of the first run we were actually on the coattails of the elite race and they'd started a couple of minutes ahead of us throughout the bike as well gradually was picking off some of the professionals as well um so it was really nice and motivating to be mixed in amongst the elite um knowing that i was having such a great day and on the bike again like everything went to pan first lap felt comfortable played it nice and easy second lap kept it steady and then my intention was the third lap to open it up a bit. And my nutrition, I was getting bang on all my timings for my nutrition. I'd hit every single one of them. So I knew that I was taking on the right carb numbers that I needed to. And I was feeling strong, powerful and energetic still. I just was falling asleep and utterly disorientated and cold. <laughs> it, it kind of doesn't make any sense really. But yeah. 
And uh, and then obviously I was disappointed not to finish, but it almost felt like something that was so out of my control that I didn't get too disappointed or upset about it. And like you say, up to that point, my fitness and everything was exactly where I expected it was. And it, in some ways, it that race still did what I wanted it to do, which was give me a good marker of how my training had gone this year. I was in great form and I was competitive. I just didn't finish. So what would you do if you were going to re... If you could go back a, a month and do it again, would you change anything? Besides wearing better clothing for the conditions on the day, nothing in the actual training that I was going to do was going to make any difference because from a training perspective, I was having a blinder of a day. So it was just... Too cold for the secret runner that day. It was, but it sounds so bad. No, it doesn't. No, sorry. It was just too cold for 30% of the the runners in that race that day. Yeah, no. And I was one of them. Absolutely. It's one of the largest dropout ratios. It would be interesting to, I know you'd never be able to find out, but to see, it would be interesting to see how many people were borderline and just managed to get through. Yeah. How many people weren't affected at all. I've absolutely no doubt that everyone that finished that race was absolutely ruined as far as the conditions go. Yeah, I don't think anyone had that. Not not even the winner, I don't think, had an easy day that day. The person that you were chasing, did they go on and finish? They went on to finish and they went on to win. So they won the world championship and they finished like in the top 12 overall, I think, including the elites. I mean, it would have been lovely if I finished in a similar sort of situation. It's like 12, 13. But you're confident that you could do? Yeah, I am. I'm absolutely confident. And do you know what? After the race, I got ill, um, which is no surprise. I mean, get hypothermia, you're going to catch cold, aren't you? So that happened. But immediately, I knew that I had all this good form and energy. And this week, I did what every coach would advise someone not to do. I went against all the rules and tried to do effectively my own redemption race. Right. Now, a coach would never advise you to do a redemption race because it ultimately ends in two ways, really. Either you're already a bit burnt out from the last one and you wind up having another race where you don't get the result you want or another dreaded DNF. And then that means you've got two races back to back where you've not got the result you want. Or you go and do that other race. Maybe it goes well, but you've exhausted yourself for the season. So you leave yourself possible open to injury and all sorts there on afterwards. So how did yours go? So with me, I just threw it all out the window because I just needed to get it out of my system. And that's another thing. Like this isn't all just about races and results. Um, A big part of what I love about this is sort of like the mental health side of it and how how good it is for my well-being and sometimes with that I like to just go out there push myself to my limits and it gives me a great feeling you know even if you're broken physically afterwards it's healthy for my mind now I also didn't have the thing where I'd done a full race and so I had lots of race fatigue in my body there was a lot of high intensity there and I still covered Uh, 100 and whatever kilometers on that day but it wasn't too much bigger than a normal long training day for me so I knew that I had good run form as well so I headed to the track this week and I just stuck a 330 
per kilometer pace and I just wanted to see how long I could run that for until I detonated until I blew up basically and do you know what I could have gone on for hours it felt like so my aerobic capacity and my endurance was there um, the only thing that wasn't was the strength and conditioning in my legs and my body and that's just purely because I've had too long now where I've been over tapered I've been away from the strength and conditioning for too long after the race. I've not done any structure training after the race at all in any way. So that's the side that broke down first. So it was ankle and knee that went. And like once that starts to happen, then I would have just been plowing myself into um, into uh, injury. Um, and now I have picked up a couple of niggles from that, but it was still just so satisfying just to push myself to that point. So how far did you run maintaining that pace then, 3.30? I did just a tad over 32 kilometres at that pace, but as soon as it ticked over into 3.40, that's when I killed it and stopped. So 32 kilometres at 3 minutes 30 a kilometre? I did I did what you did. I went out too fast as well. My first kilometre was 3.20. <laughs> right, okay. I mean, that's it's ridiculous, like, those speeds, and for that amount of time anyway. But when you were saying like your the conditioning wasn't there, your your final run of the long distance duathlon would have been forty two, wouldn't it, or, or something close to forty? Yeah, it would have been twenty. It was actually twenty five. They changed it at the last minute. They changed the course, and it was incredibly hilly. But they dropped it from thirty to twenty five. But anyways, yeah, still a long run. But would you have not run it at that pace? Because you would have just done all the cycling and everything before. That too, but also the terrain as well was just um, ridiculous. So it would have, yeah, fluctuated massively. Right. Because that distance isn't, whilst it seems super long to me, doesn't seem long for you at all. No. But that distance at that pace, that's that's where your, you know, your redemption race, your challenge came in. Is to do with the timing. Instead of doing the race, if I'd have gone to the track and decided to do what I did this week then that would have been a completely different result because the the conditioning would have been there at that time but four weeks later it wasn't going to be there right i see okay it's just a deterioration so what what are your plans for the rest of the year now so i've got just kind of like a regional race uh duathlon standard distance which is 10k run 40k bike 5k run um i'm doing that with some friends so it's it's a social thing and it's uh, a nice little last blast to have around the season i'll probably do a couple of more races over the winter and probably duathlons again similar sorts of distances but they're just going to be sort of like for fun and just to keep myself ticking along i guess that's the equivalent of me going and doing the park run yeah in fact actually i might even try and uh, find a couple of park runs to do I have been enjoying running recently and I've been enjoying running fast as well. So I'll probably do a bit of work on that. Not least, it's actually probably in about a month's time is when I will start my strength and conditioning training ready for Kona. So you'll start your Kona training in November? Yeah, I mean, it's not solid, like hard training at that point. It's it's just that I'll start the strength and conditioning training then so that by the time I start my training plan proper sort of next February or March, my strength and conditioning is already there. Right, okay. So what do you say, March next year, that's when you'll start your your proper training plan, like the one you've done for me and the one you've had for this year? Yeah, I'll I'll need to look into it all because I haven't planned it all out yet, but it'll be roughly around that sort of time, yeah. So you'll have a 
a relatively easy three to four months. I guess you could take it as like the next the next sort of like few weeks is complete time off. Um, I'm not going to do any structured chaining. I've got my brother Stag do. I've got some various other parties. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing. I'm not sacrificing anything for triathlon at the moment. Um, it's proper time off, which you need to have. And then from November, <clears throat> I'll start adding some structure chaining at that point. But it's all fairly manageable for me. The hours, the volume will probably go back to about 10 to 12 hours a week, which is nice and easy for me. And then, yeah, and then it just gradually increases from about March. Thank you, Secret Runner, not just for this episode, but obviously for the entire season and doing this with me. I still want to break, I, I will break that 45 uh, minute 10k. Since the Bristol one, there's been a few a few issues I've had to look at. I mean, one of them is also my heart rate, according to everyone I've spoken to, is ridiculously high. Uh, I'm ill now, I was ill between then. Uh, I, I hurt my foot after the race as well, So, so I've been set back a little bit. Having a pause, and then we'll assess when I'm going to start doing it again, and I will get to my 45-minute 10K. We'll cover it in Season 2, and hopefully, by the time we start doing that again, that 45 minutes should come relatively quickly, and it can just be the first part of whatever I'm targeting for that season. I don't want to be still aiming for 45 minutes this time next year. I've got some other ideas that I'll talk to you about, so... That's coming early next year is my plan now, roughly. But we need to go over details as you're the coach. Yeah, we will. We'll get you to maintain the fitness that you've got at the moment. And then uh, we'll look at the best way of picking that up and getting you past that barrier. And likewise, I don't just want it all to be about Kona for the next season. Obviously, Kona's the end goal, but um, I've got plans for various races early on in May time. Maybe we can do that. Eaton Dorney 10k at the same time uh, not 10k duathlon yes where you you do double the distances absolutely and then that will in theory level the playing field yeah we should do that your first foray into multi-sport as well it'd be great to cover that yeah especially as a newcomer to it we get all your thoughts on uh entering that world because that was that was a plan this year for me and you to do it together before we before we started the Secret Runner podcast, yeah. so maybe next year. March or April time would be awesome for that. The weather's getting better and it would be uh, cracking. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Secret Runner. We're pausing now, but we will be back to get my 45, to get the Secret Runners World Championship, Kona Triathlon, Ironman title, and whatever else we do along the way. Absolutely. Cheers, everyone. As always, head over to thesecretrunner.com to find our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram links. We don't have an Instagram, so you can't do that. Yes, we do. We do have an Instagram, so you can do that. You can do that. So, off you go, stay motivated and go share your secret. Yeah, see you next year. No. See you soon. No. See ya. So... Oh, yeah. So, off you go. Stay motivated. No, what's the... What is it? It's 